You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. It is so good to be able to see you all together gathered in one service. What a wonderful problem. We ran out of chairs and we have chairs Uh, Still some seating there, so if you're finding it kind of hot in here or you're standing and you want to go upstairs into the air condition and it's turned down low, um, you could store meat up there, right? Folks that are up there, it's awesome. And so you can uh, head on up there if you would like. And turn in your Bibles to Romans 8 and kids right now, kids and their parents or guardians can go and uh, have their time in Hope Summer Kids. So you can just kind of walk alongside here and some of the ushers there will be there to show you as well as the leaders for today. And so kids can go and with their parents and have a good time together there. Sorry, I just turned off that fan. It was, I don't need to have, uh, we'll sweat it out this morning and not deal with the uh, hum of the uh, fan there. So it's so good to be able to gather. And, and just so you know, just a reminder, you don't have to register anymore. Some of you folks uh, probably just accident. you're so used to registering for services you registered, and now you're sitting here when you actually registered for being up in the German hall. And so just so you know that, the only time you have to register is, is for the German hall because we have limited seats up there, and so, um, which we still have plenty of seats, so uh, just so you know that um, in future weeks. And, uh, and I'll say a little bit more about future plans, which who knows what they are, um, at the end of the service, all right? So Romans 8, hope you have your Bibles open, Bibles open, uh, tablets on, phones on, Romans chapter 8 as we're continuing on in this. And uh, it is, it is, it's so good to be together today with, uh, with no restrictions and we're so grateful and honestly, even kind of shocked, I think in so many ways, kind of caught off guard at how quickly the restrictions were lifted and we're so thankful for that. And today we're bringing an end to Romans chapter 8, our journey in this amazing chapter, one of the best chapters in the Bible. And and it uh, has been a life-giving time in God's Word here these last eight weeks as we've been in this eight-week journey. And uh, it is life-giving, it is peace-causing in our lives when we take these truths and we live it and apply it and believe it and own it in our lives. And here in chapter 8, it ends with such hope. And it's just so fitting on this first Sunday that we're kind of back together. Uh, one location, <laughs> I guess, two, two viewing areas. But uh, just so grateful to be able to do this. And, and for the last 16 months, it's been 16 months since we were all gathered together. And even there, we are streaming into, we are meeting at the, at, at the theater. And we are streaming into another theater for the extra folks that were joining us. And so, um, so it's kind of the same, except now we're outside. And, uh, and, and so this 16 months that we've been going through that, we've been inconvenienced, we've been frustrated, we've been annoyed, and we've been very concerned at times too by all that's been happening, regardless of, uh, of your thoughts or your thinking in regards to COVID. And, and, uh, and, and we're still, there's still some restrictions that remain. And I think of some of our dear family in the church that have um, friends and family in the United States. I think of one of our elders. Uh, they're on some holidays right now, but they would love to be visiting Marla's family in the States, and they're not able to do that at this point. And so, so, so there's the annoyances and the inconveniences and different things, but we've also, sadly, we've seen such polarization as well, haven't we? We've seen sides that have been drawn, 
And also, there's even perhaps a greater concern than all of this have been the philosophies and ideologies that are grabbing and taking hold of our culture, even apart from COVID-19. Now, I don't want to belittle, um, but I would rather love to take these last 16 months and put them in perspective, put them in some important perspective for us today. Because when you take all that has gone on in regards to the last 16 months or even what is going on in your life today, and you take those things that are going on in the last 16 months and you compare it though, you compare it to these last five verses of Romans 8, it all but puts just a little blip that what we've been going through is nothing in comparison to what God has in store for us who are in Jesus Christ, to the grandeur and the glory and the majesty and the future that God has in store for his children. And, and it's far greater than words could ever even put, that words could even describe or that our minds could even comprehend. And so for the final time in this series, Romans 8 starts with what? Okay. Again, and, and you guys did lousy. Uh, you just have to say that. You know. and, and the ushers right now have opened up the doors to the German hall. They need to hear you inside say this. And there's a bit of a pause. So after we say it, we're going to pause so we can then, so they can hear us. Um, and then they're going to say it in the German club. And, and you guys in the German club, you better say it really good and loud because we want to be able to hear you out there, out here, okay? So Romans 8 starts with what? No and ends in no Okay, now there's a bit of delay. Okay, you German. Okay, German club people, now listen up. This is for them. You guys don't answer this. In the German club, Romans 8 starts with what? No. We have to pause. Did you hear it? Okay, and ends in what? No. Yeah, we heard it right on. That's awesome. So good. All right, so it worked. Barely, but it worked. And we had to turn up the hearing aids. Okay, good job inside there. That, that's good. Um, so what an amazing truth that this is. For those who genuinely have repented of their sins and have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, this is the best news. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that ends up meaning no separation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What truth this is. And if you have never repented of G to Jesus Christ in this way and surrendered your life to him, do it today. Because when you do that, it means no condemnation, no separation. That's Romans 8 in a nutshell. And today we're going to look, we're going to see two hope, life-giving, peace-causing declarations about God's love that we cannot or will never be separated from. And similar words, even Jesus declared this. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is declaring, in Christ there is no separation. And here is the first declaration from Romans 8 we're gonna see here today. And I encourage you to write it down or you have it in your service folder to have a look at that. Number one, God's love is stronger than any trouble we face. And that is such an incredible truth. God's love is stronger than any trouble we face. 
Verse 35, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And here's the thing. We can so easily, so quickly start to doubt or deny or question God's love for us. It seems that when we go through hardships or trials or difficulty, we start to think, well, does God love me? God must hate me. He must be getting mad at me. He must be getting even with me. And when we lose at times the battle with temptation and we fall into areas of sin yet again, and it's like it's happened again, and we feel like a, a, a big fat failure, and we start wondering, is God tired of me? Is he tired? Has he given up on me? Did maybe God unfriend me? You know, like it sometimes happens on social media. Did God do that to me? He just kind of wrote me off. Or when life under the sun seems so futile and so hard and so draining. And, 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 and hasn't that sun been futile and draining this past week? I mean, it has just been, it burns. It, it, it was like the day that it hit 46 degrees, I stepped outside from an uh, air-conditioned office and it felt like somebody took a blow dryer on full max heat and just started blowing it on my face. And for those who are working outside, oh, that's so tough. And, uh, and, 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 and at times life just seems like just that hot wind just blowing in your face, just draining you. And we go through the drudgery, the disappointments, at times just the daily grind and life can seem so meaningless, so purposeless, and at times so futile. And we wonder in the midst of, for, for some, you're in this stage right now, it's, it's the endless diapers and dirty laundry or, or the fussy teenager or, or, or the fussier, fussy husband, you know, and, uh, and difficult just whether it's pain that we face, whether it's chronic or physical or emotional or relation, relationship pain, or the loneliness or the sadness from the loss of a relationship or, or a dream or a desire, our plans that have just gone up. And, and for some folks we even think here in BC who've lost their homes already to fires and, and have seen their homes and their dreams and, and that just go up in smoke, whether it's literal or whether it's figurative, this happens in our lives. And it's oftentimes in these times that we need to be reminded the very most of God's love, that God's love is stronger than any trouble that you face. Do you hear that today? Those of you sitting where I can't see your faces completely, God's love is greater than any trouble you are ever going to face that you're ever currently facing. Believe it today. His love is greater. His love is so much stronger. And, and, and we need to wrap our heads around this because so oftentimes, like I said, we question God's love. When things go well, it's like, oh, he loves me. And then when things don't go well, he loves me not. And then things start going well, he loves me. And, and we're just like this yo-yo and we're just like we're all over the place. And so we must be reminded of God's love, how great it is for us. And we see that God's love is spoken. And let's face it, spoken and written words are so powerful. I think back in my single days, I was a youth, young adult pastor in Saskatoon, and I had my eye on this particular young lady by the name of Charlotte Matico. But being a pastor, I had to play it pretty cool and pretty conservative and be pretty cautious. But we ended up sitting together at a Christmas banquet for, our, for the young adults. And, and, and there was this conversation going on around the table and we are talking about kitchen gadgets probably because I was this single bachelor that needed to cook and bake for myself and and we were talking about all these different gadgets and stuff and I said wouldn't it be nice if they invented a, a electric potato masher and and I don't know it was just silly conversation and con whatever's going on a few days later in my church office on my desk was a potato masher with a battery attached to it and there was this note on it, and I, but they didn't sign their name. It said, Merry Christmas. And I'm like, oh, who is this from? Could it be Charlotte Matico? 
I'm like, how am I going to know? I need to know. How am I going to know? So I raced down to the church basement to the cupboard of the junior high Sunday school class because Charlotte taught. Oh, thank you, Blaine. That's wonderful. You think I'm going to need? I think I might need this. That's a wonderful thing. Actually, I'll take some right now because this story gets better. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And so I went and I started doing a detailed detective analysis of handwriting. And Charlotte has very unique handwriting, very nice, very tidy, but it didn't all match, but there was one letter that was so unique, and it was undeniably, I came out of that church basement, she loves me, you know, and it was like, yes, this is such a good day that I get, you know, and, 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 um, and, and it, was, it was about 10 months later, she asked me to marry her, and, and, and I said yes. Uh, well, actually, I asked her, but, you know, it just it, it tells the story that much better. But there was something about the written word. And she wrote it. And I was like, yes, this is so awesome. And so excited to be able to see that, that she indeed was maybe at least interested. I didn't know she loved me, but um, I knew there was an interest in uh, buying an uh, electronic or a battery-operated potato masher. Well, there's something so powerful about words. Written words or spoken words. And the pages of Scripture... God's word is God's love letter to us, reminding us, telling us, declaring to us, we are so loved by him. And he loves us, Deuteronomy chapter 7. In the Old Testament, we see this. In in Deuteronomy 7, 7, it says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and he chose you. No, you are the fewest of all the peoples. But it's because the Lord loves you. The Lord chose to set his love on you. And today, listen up. You're sitting here today. You're sitting up in the hall. You're listening online. Because you are tuned into this, you need to know that God is turning and setting his love on you. He loves you and his word declares that to you today. Psalm 36, 5 says, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he what? He set his love on us. He first loved us. Now let's face it though, these are written words. They're powerful words. They're life-changing words. But let's face it, at times words just kind of Words, 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 words. At times, we also need to be shown, not just words because talk can be cheap. But God just didn't speak his word. He just didn't write his word to us. God demonstrated his love, we see. God's love is demonstrated to us. In Romans chapter five, verse six, the apostle Paul wrote this, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he wrote, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die, for, for one person will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person would dare to even to die. But God shows, demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then there's John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes on him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Or, or, or in 1 John, it says, we know love because he laid down his life for us. He not only spoke his, his love towards us, he demonstrated it to us. And the love of God is supremely proclaimed and, and, and demonstrated when Jesus came to this earth, when he died on the cross for our sins and then, was, then rose again on the third day. God's great love for us. But here's something else. God's love also, also disciplines us at times. It's a training love. 
It's not like it's always where we get everything like a spoiled brat, everything we want. And Hebrews chapter 12 is a beautiful explanation about the disciplining love of God. That God at times disciplines us and says in verse 5, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. You see, God cares about us so much. He's just not going to let us run wild. He's just not going to run into our own um, crazy thinking and plans and different things like that, especially when he knows down the road what could hurt or could destroy us. And his discipline, his love for us at times is training us. And it is all an expression of his ultimate love for us. And at times we can think what he's doing, what he's allowing in our lives, in our family, in our world, it can seem so unloving. And yet what God is doing is he's deepening his love for us in that we are needing to develop a greater love towards him. Every year on July 1st, it's time to celebrate our great nation and that God has done so much in giving us the freedoms and, 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 and the awesomeness of, of, of this nation. And this year it was disrupted in various ways, and, and yet we still give God thanks. But July 1st has always been a very unique day for, for me and, and, and for our family. Um, as it was 10 years ago, on July 1st, our family was walking through a very difficult, difficult season in life and ministry. Things seemed incredibly hopeless. We felt very much alone. And on July 1st, 2011, we walked up to the mountain behind our house, and we went to a special place there, and we talked together as a family. We prayed together. We said, we don't know the future. We don't know what's going on. This has been a tough season, and we were tired, and we were beat up, and we were worn out and hurting and confused and felt very alone here in this city. But God, we're going to trust you. God, together as a family, we're going to commit to trusting you. And you know God's hand, and it wasn't easy from there. It wasn't like we skipped down the mountain and just had a glory time for, the rest, for, for these last 10 years. No. But God's good hand provided and directed and strengthened. And his plan has been worked out in ways that we could have never planned and organized. And that painful season would lead us to, to, to be part of a group of people that would eventually start this church. It was through that pain and through that confusion, through what seemed like discipline and difficulty that we faced. And, and at times God didn't seem very loving. But yet God provided and God has led us in that. Hebrews 12, it goes on in, in, very, in verse 11. It says, for the moment, for at the moment, all discipline seems painful. Right, kids? You get disciplined by your parents, it could be painful rather than pleasant. But later, later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Are you going to be trained by the disciplining love of God? What's going on in your life right now? Are you just going to say, God, I'm angry at you and just kind of give him the finger perhaps even sometimes we can get so mad and so upset we just want to just just have God right out of our lives and just say what is going on in this or are we going to submit to his plan and say God I know the plan for you for for us for, for me as a believer is is for good and I don't see how it's all going to work but God I'm going to trust you would we allow ourselves to be trained by the disciplining love of God but then we see God's love is overpowering Paul, in verses 35 and 36, he starts to inventory. He does an inventory. He ransacks the universe in these next number of verses, highlighting some of our biggest fears, some of our biggest concerns, the things that we think are going to ruin our lives or are an indication that God no longer loves us and that somehow perhaps we've fallen out of God's good graces. And, 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 and so he, he gives us this list of things. Verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? 
Notice, now notice, this is important. It doesn't say that the love of God will separate us from bad things. That's not going to happen. Not at all. Because all of these things that Paul just described here happened to him. God's love doesn't separate us from bad things, but, but what it means um, that with God in our lives, ultimately no harm will come to our love and the love that he has for us. He's essentially saying these things will happen, they will come, but they cannot and they will not separate us from the love of God. And look at what he lists here, tribulation. In the original Greek language, this word for tribulation here is re referring to crushing circumstances of life. It's similar, and, and this is the, the picture that it would, would actually give, is of being crushed by a great boulder on your chest and not being able to breathe. Some of you, and probably all of you, if you've lived long enough, basically past the age of 10, you have probably gone through experiences already that have been so weighty and so heavy and so at, at times just confusing that it has felt like this big boulder on your chest and you don't even know if you're going to be able to continue to keep breathing. You're almost hyperventilating or perhaps an anxiety attack that ends up taking place. And he says, tribulation isn't going to separate us from the love of God. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he actually uses the same word. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. You will have events and circumstances that are going to feel like a crushing weight on your chest. But what he says, but take heart. I've overcome that tribulation. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Next, it says distress. This means being pressed by anxieties and worries and concerns. But distress it's not going to separate us from God's love. Verse 35, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword. He lists a whole bunch here. And let's face it, today, millions upon millions of Christians are living in persecuted areas. And over the last 2,000 years, millions of Christians have been persecuted to the point of death. And today, there are many who are facing open hostility for bearing the name of Christ. From from some folks just going without the basic necessities to being kept out of getting certain jobs or promotions because of their faith in Christ, but others to imprisonment, to house arrest, to physical persecution, even death. People are facing that today. And in verse 36, Paul is quoting from Psalm 46. And, and, and as it goes on, he writes from Psalm 46 this. He says, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Basically, Paul is saying here, hey, throughout church history, Old Testament, New Testament, church history, even today, God's people will suffer. We will face, at times, persecution, famine. We'll go without nakedness. We'll go without uh, some of the, the basic necessities, danger of the sword. But he says, hey, none of this is going to separate you from the love of God. Encourage you. If you want a reality check, go on Voice of the Martyrs. Just go and search that on your search engine. And, and Voice of the Martyrs, there's a Canadian addition to that. And, and, uh, and just read some of the updated stories of what's going on and the persecution that God's people, and pray for them. And look for ways that we can pray and support people who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And in Canada, it is. And it is, it is already, and it's going to continue to get harder for us as believers in Christ. Just get used to it. The bills that our, our current parliament has been wanting to pass and it seems like, this, thankfully, praise the Lord, they've been hitting some roadblocks. But, but what has been trying to be pushed through, give it a number of time, and it probably will. And we're facing um, more and more persecution we're going to see. And we've seen some of that over the last number of months. But when a government and a society continue to go in the opposite direction from God's word, watch out and get ready. 
because it will happen. But even those things we are told doesn't separate us from the love of God, doesn't change anything. But you see, the Bible, ultimately, it doesn't teach a prosperity gospel. Some preachers love to preach a prosperity gospel. It attracts a crowd, and it makes, oftentimes, the preacher very rich. The Bible actually proclaims a disaster gospel, that this world is a disaster all around us because of the result of sin and the fallenness of humans. But then there's the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ that gives us hope. And yet Paul is saying that just because we go through trials, it doesn't mean that God has stopped loving us. It's not true. No, we must remember that God's love is stronger than any trouble we face. Yet Paul isn't done. He even takes it up a level. He takes it up a notch as he continues on here at the end of chapter 8. Because he wants us not just simply to survive. How are you doing today? Oh, fine. Yeah, God's on the throne. Yeah. Oh, yeah, life, life is hard. And then there's heaven. You know, and, and he doesn't want us just to kind of survive and just kind of mope our way through life. He's telling us, no, I want you to be a thriver. I want you to, to grab hold of what's going on in your life and even in the tiredness. And, and lately, I, I honestly, and this is a hard thing for me. I walk around our house, I'm tired. I'm weary. There's a certain part where it's just like, oh man, like it's just, it's been a long haul. But in that, we must not give up hope and, and just thinking, well, we're just surviving. We're just holding on. No, God wants us. And, and we see this here. He wants us to thrive in the midst of all of this. And look at as it continues. And this is our second observation about God's love. God's love means we are more than conquerors. And underline in your Bible, underline it, underline it, that word more. We are more than conquerors. We can walk and live and sleep in calm assurance. Don't sleep now. Everyone, make sure everyone's awake right now because this is important. You know, look around and nudge someone if they're falling asleep. We can walk and live and sleep at nighttime in calm assurance that no matter what we face, God is for us, that we are more than conquerors. Look at verse 37. No, Paul says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it, amen, exactly. And that word more, if it's not underlined in your Bible yet, your neighbor, like, take a look in other people's, if they didn't underline that word more, you go and underline it for them because it needs to be underlined. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, a conqueror is somebody who walks off the battlefield victorious. It's kind of like, we finished that one off. That's what a conqueror is. More than conqueror means that when you're going into the battle, You've already won. You already know. You're going into the battle, and it's just like, nothing's going to touch this one. We've, we, the victory is assured. And this is what Paul, whatever we are going through, we are more than conquerors. Heading into whatever it is, you're going to head into this next week. You need to know, believer in Christ, you are going to be more than a conqueror. That's how God sees it. He sees you already conquering in and through this. No matter how difficult, intimidating, or impossible life may look, the victory is never in doubt. And then it goes on in verse 38. L look at what he says. For I am sure. And some translations will say, I am convinced or I am persuaded. Now, in Greek, in the original, I mean, this just looks pretty, pretty tame here. For I am sure. 
No, it, it's not that at all. In the original Greek and the Roman literature, this is a killer phrase. This is really, when an orator would say this, it means pay attention. It means the sleep, the person sleeping who's dozed off needs to wake up. And, and basically what he's saying, we've worked through the mathematical equation and we have come to the equal sign. Or, or, or perhaps in music, it's we're coming to the crescendo with gusto as we're, we're, we're going here. Or for those with a sweet tooth, this is the icing on the cake. For hockey, this is the overtime goal. For golf, this is a hole in one. For football, it's a touchdown. It's a game winning. It's a walk-off touchdown. And, and, and Paul is saying this. I am so convinced this is so good. Death can't separate us from the love of Christ. He is so convinced of this. I am convinced not only death, but we're going to see this other list of things. But the first thing he says, first of all, death can't separate you from the love of Christ. When we as believers in Christ, if you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ today, you take your last breath here on this earth, and it will happen for every one of us eventually. It will. No matter how much organic kale you eat or how much you exercise or take care of your body, death is coming for you sooner or later. I like what the old black preacher said. He said, one day we're all going to end up in a box and they're going to dig a hole on a hill and they're going to lower you into the ground and they're going to put dirt over the hole and then they're going to go back to the church and they're going to eat potato salad. And, and for me, it could be egg salad sandwich. If there's an egg salad sandwich at my funeral, don't even bother showing up. Find out in advance. If there's no egg salad sandwich, don't even show up. And, uh, and, and, and that's how it's going to end for each one of us. And, and death, let's face it, death never on an earthly or physical level looks like victory. When, when you are visiting a loved one in a care home or in a hospital, and they are near the end, it looks like defeat, doesn't it? Is their breathing changes? And their look changes everything about them, and it looks like we've lost. We've lost. But no, Paul is saying, no, even in death, we're more than conquerors. At the moment of death, our souls will separate from our bodies, and our conscience, though, will continue on. Our souls will continue on into eternity. Our self-awareness will continue one millisecond after our heart stops and we breathe our last breath. That is guaranteed. And we are to be fully aware that we will be fully alive in that millisecond. And for the true believer in Christ, meaning you've repented of your sins. And I, I, I have to reiterate this because I just don't want this, this easy gospel kind of understand. This is for those who have repented of their sins, surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, believing him to be the full and satisfying payment for our sins when he died on the cross. And when he rose in victory, he conquered sin and death. And because of that, we will one day conquer sin and death completely. And at the moment of death, that last, that, that last set millisecond, we breathe our last and enter into eternity. Psalm 116 kicks in in an amazing way. Psalm 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his own, of one of his saints. At the death of every Christian, listen up, folks. At the death, when you have been at the hospital bedside, when you have been with a loved one, or whether someone who you know suffered and they died alone. You need to know, believer in Christ, at that second, all the fullness of God was there with them. God in all of his fullness and all of his love was there to receive him, into, receive that loved one into God's presence. In God's presence, there is no separation. Like Jesus said to the thief on the cross, 
Today you will be with me in paradise. When a believer in Christ dies, yes, we grieve. We mourn. We, we miss them. There's the loss. But it's not because they've been defeated. No, actually, they just got a serious, serious upgrade. But the grief we experience is the pain of temporary loss. And it hurts. And it's hard. And even if you've seen it in the e-news, and if not, you haven't read it yet, um, it's, the details are in there. But there will be an internment for Sandy Whale, who passed away. She passed away in November, and we couldn't have the proper service or a burial for her. And, and, and we grieve. And, and, and Al misses Sandy. We miss the dear loved ones who have died. But death can't and won't separate us from God's love. And there's an opportunity for you to join in for that internment service if you would so like details or in the e-news. But then Paul goes on in verse 38. He says, death can't separate us. Life can't separate us. Life can be filled with so many things that appear to separate or to defeat us. When we see the wicked people prospering all around us, doesn't that just grind your gears sometimes? When you know people... They're getting rich, and they're getting rich in a way that isn't right. Or, or, or you're just seeing, you know, the lives of the rich. Everything looks so wonderful, and so, they're so prosperous. And then what are we? We're just slaving it out. We're just struggling. We're trying to get along, and it doesn't seem fair. Or when there's things like divorce or death or a loved one dies or illness or cancer or Alzheimer's or a rebellious or a difficult child or there's addictions and there's these battles and these sins that seem to defeat us. It says life can't separate us from the love of God. And then he continues on. He says angels or rulers can't separate us. Nothing in the spiritual realm. No demon or fallen angel can grab you away from God. And now he continues in verse 30. And he's closing in all the gaps. And he says nothing in the present or the future or powers. No matter where our government takes us, God's love can and will remain strong for us. Then he says, no height, nor depth, or anything in all creation. He's just closing it all in now at this point. No matter what happens, he says, God's love is stronger. God's love is greater. We are more than conquerors. And God loves you despite your insecurities, your failures, your mess-ups, your inabilities. At times, you may feel inept, as I oftentimes do. God loves us no matter what. You may be sitting here even today. You're weary, and you're confused. You're beaten up by life especially in these last 16 months, believer in Christ, we need to know and believe that the overpowering love of God is for us. We just need to stop and think about how blessed and how rich we are in Christ. Would we believe these truths today and rest in the truths of God's love for us as his children? And would this free us as we even leave here today, as we end this message in a couple of moments, would we worship him knowing that his love isn't going to change? It's not going to change like the temperatures. Well, our temperatures aren't changing very much, but in a few months, we're going to be, oh, it's so cold. Remember those days that were so hot? His, his love isn't going to fluctuate in that way. And it would free us to worship him and to walk with him this week and to work for Christ because he is so worthy. And it's because we are so loved. And I just can't help but wonder, what would God do? What could God do with a church of people of ordinary sinners, messed up people like you and me with our weaknesses and failures, but we are believing and we are grabbing hold of this overpowering, endless love of God, this never separating love from God in this divided and despairing world that people will see the love of Christ in us. In a few moments, we're going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper. And this is a time that we take to remember Christ's sacrifice, to give thanks to examine our lives, to repent of sin, make sure our relationship with, with the Lord is right, 
and we rededicate ourselves to God, to serving him, to loving him, and trusting in his love. And because it was on that cross that real, true love was demonstrated. And God's word tells us that we must prepare in order to partake of the Lord's Supper. And there will be opportunity for you to come as we worship, to come and to, there will be communion servers here who will hold up a, a plate for you to take the Lord's Supper. And then back at your seats, you can partake whenever you're ready. But, but take time. This isn't just like a ritual. This is for people who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. You may be a visitor here today. We welcome you in the name of Jesus if you have believed in Jesus Christ and have trusted him and are desiring to live for him today as imperfectly at times as it may be, but your heart is for him and you, you desire to rest in his love today, then after examining yourself, repenting of areas of sin, make that, those areas right before God, partake together with us. But God's word tells us that we need to examine ourselves before we do that. Otherwise, we can actually eat and drink judgment upon ourselves, God's word says, and so we need to prepare God's love is amazing, but it's also holy. And we need to respect what his word says in that. And so parents, even with your children, encourage you, this isn't just snack time. This is, this is if they've made a commitment to Jesus Christ and it's evident that they're desiring to live for him. Then you lead them in that as, as parents. And you know what? I think we all even need to take time and we'll just even pause in a few moments to just spend some time in personal examination because I think the last 16 months, it's brought so much division. And you know what? We've allowed it to, haven't we? It's brought division. I think I have not talked to one person who hasn't had division in their family, in their blood family over COVID. In the workplace, there's division. In schools, in friendship groups, within the body of Christ, whether that's verbal disagreements in chat groups, on social media. And it's one thing to disagree, but it's another thing to be unloving and to be rude, to be disrespectful or divisive. And I encourage you to examine your heart even now. And it may be that you need to make something right with a brother or sister in Christ or with someone else who you have not loved with the overpowering love of God. And you need to deal with that bitterness. And you may need to even, before you even partake of the Lord's Supper, you may need to walk across the room or go and, and make a phone call or send a text message and, and make things right and own what you did and make that right before God and also before brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Own your part in that. And in that way, we are not only have experienced the love of God, but we're extending it to others. You see, we believe that our unity in Christ is greater than any division, than any opinion of anything that goes on in this world. And so I trust Hope Church that through this we will emerge stronger, more united, and more loving. And the Lord's Supper will be available in a few moments, but let's take that time. I'm going to ask the communion servers, the German Hall, and here to come and to get into place. And we're going to take a few moments to pray, prepare our hearts, and then we'll worship and partake. Let's just spend some time in just quiet reflection and prayer.